Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Clark, and with us, as always, is Ed Katz. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm terrific, Rob. Hope you're having a great day. Having a great day so far. Looking forward to having another conversation with you. Me too. All right. We are, we are jumping into episode six of our happy hour. And uh, this particular episode is going to focus on the importance of separating telemarketing from sales. So, Ed... I understand uh, you learned early on in life between uh, the difference between telemarketing and sales. Can you kind of tell everybody where and when did you kind of figure out that those two things are, are different? I'm going to date myself. You're going to see how old I am. But way back in the days when there was a brokerage firm on Wall Street by the name of E.F. Hutton, I took their training and six months later became a stockbroker with them. And my job was to make at least 100 phone calls a day calling strangers in Manhattan and introduce our brokerage services to them. And I floundered and I failed and I was terrible. I mean, it was so bad. I would cold call people. I called, they called it dowling for dollars. And they'd hang up on me or they'd say, why are you calling me at home at night? I mean, because we had a call in the evening too. And I was, it was so bad, I had trouble sleeping at night. And um, I realized that I was not a salesperson. I couldn't sell anything. I couldn't make the call in the first place. But I realized over the years, by the way, I only lasted with them a few months. And I left them and <laughs> moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's when I started Peachtree Movers, my moving company at the time. You know, you, but, t- you tell that story, Ed, and it makes me think of the movie. Did you ever see it? The Boiler Room? Oh, yes. That was me. <laughs> that was I had you. my manager. My manager was listening on an extension. And he's trying to talk to me, tell me what to say while they're hanging up on me. There you, you ever, go. Uh, multitasking. And I'm going crazy. Yeah. Anyhow, I thought I was a terrible salesperson because I couldn't cold call. I couldn't call strangers and introduce our service and our products and try to make the deal. And then when I started my moving company, I had the same fear. I didn't want to cold call prospects that might be moving. So the first thing I did as soon as I could was after I bought the truck, hired the movers, I hired a telemarketer. And this young lady loved to cold call strangers, loved the dial for dollars, loved the dial and smile. And I was a happy camper because she would do the prospecting, the cold calling. And when they were ready for an estimate, only then did I call them back and make the appointment and go out and sell the service. And I became a pretty, pretty decent salesperson. So I learned early on, there was a huge difference between what I call marketing or telemarketing or cold calling and selling. To me, if you have to initiate the call and cold call somebody that is not expecting your call. To me, that's cold calling or telemarketing. Selling is when they're ready for you to come out and tell your story, then you're selling. So if everybody will agree with me, that's what I see the difference. Okay, Ed. So um, did you separate telemarketing from sales at your company? Is that something you kept completely separate? Or did we you- really, we really did. We, even as we grew over the years, we did not have sales people develop new business. I know a lot of moving companies love to have their salesperson not only go out and sell and give estimates, but to develop new business. We 
kept them totally separate. We had a telemarketer who did all the cold calling, kept the pipeline full of companies that were ready for estimates. And all that our salespeople would do would be to call and make the appointment after it was a warm prospect after the fact they agreed that yes, they wanted a price for the relocation. And, and I think that's a great point because uh, I think you're right. You know, I think one of it might, part of it might be cost related, you know, they don't want to hire. So how, how did you get around that additional cost? How did you justify spending those dollars for those additional people um, to do the telemarketing? Cause I think most companies are going to tell you, Ed, we can't afford to hire people. I mean, that's got to be the salesperson's job to go out and cultivate that new business. Well, it's kind of an intangible. How could we afford it? How could we not afford it? Because I have, you know, for more than 40 years, I've been in this industry and I have talked to a lot of salespeople and they agree with me. If they're really, really good at, sell, at sales, they're weak on the phone. And conversely, you take somebody who's great on the phone at dialing for dollars and say, you're going to go out and do a survey and estimate and meet with the prospect, they're not, they're going to flounder. And so in terms of affording it, it just made our operation all the more efficient. And um, we had a telemarketer, we would get the leads that everybody else got. That person would call the prospect, introduce our service, get them to the point where they said, yes, come on out and tell us your story. And only then did the salesperson get involved. And what I learned over the years was this. If the salesperson has to do the cold calling, the telemarketing and the estimating, by the time they've written letters every month and made phone calls and follow-up phone calls, by the time they go out to meet with a prospect, they're weak. They're weak because they know if they don't make the sale, then they're going to have to go back and do what they hate to do, which is cold call, develop new business, more business. And so that it makes them very weak in front of the prospect where in our situation, there was always several estimates in the pipeline, several companies that were waiting for our salespeople to make the appointment to go out and give them a price. And so we were, it was easier for our salespeople to control the customer, control the sale, knowing that if there are any bad buy signs where the customer wasn't gonna follow our instructions or do what they're supposed to do or shop merely just price, then the salesperson was strong enough and independent enough to be able to leave without wasting his time and go to the next prospect who was waiting for an estimate, as opposed to knowing, oh, I worked for a year trying to get this prospect to let us come out and give him, give him an estimate. What am I going to do and give the store away because I don't want to have to go back and start cold calling all over again. Do you see the difference? I do see the difference. Here's my question. You, you've been doing this, what, Ed, over 40 years or around 40 years. Um, and, and so you've talked to a lot of people. Well, my first question would be, how many of the people who, you, who have taken the IOMI certification have you seen implement this, this practice? Well, one of my star pupils, my poster child almost for doing it the IOMI way, is a company in Sterling, Virginia called JK Moving Services. They early on separated telemarketing from sales. And I'm sure to this day, it's a separate entity. And their salespeople, they're just always 
something in the pipeline for them to make the appointment, go out and do the survey, and they keep sales separate from telemarketing. And if anybody has ever heard of JK, they are the premier, probably one of the best moving companies, not just in the United States, but in the world. Okay, so after you know, visiting all the years that you've done this and visiting with all these different people who have done it, what are some of the key points uh, to be a, a successful telemarketer? I, I don't, I mean, persistence, I think, is going to be one of them. Thick skin's got to be another, but what do you find? What's your criteria for being successful at that? Well, in interviewing prospective telemarketers, I look for somebody that had experience in cold calling, in telemarketing. I was not smart enough to hire somebody who was in operations or administration or in outside sales um, that didn't have any new business development experience and say, okay, you're going to be great at doing this. I always would interview people who had experience. So I knew they could handle being on the phone calling strangers because they've got to be able to be able to call strangers and uh, handle rejection, right? So once we did hire them, we made sure that they knew what they were selling. We had certain differentiate, we had certain differentiators. We differentiated our benefits from the competition. And so we would teach the telemarketing person, here's how we're different. Here's how we're better. Here are the benefits that the customer gets when they hire us as opposed to the competition. That was the first thing. Secondly, and we knew this again because they had former experience being telemarketers, but we always look for somebody who was quite comfortable calling strangers and introducing who they were in our company service. They had to be somebody, as you just mentioned, who could handle rejection. I'm a salesperson. I don't like to be rejected. And that's why I'm, one of the reasons I'm a terrible telemarketer, I confess. And then we wrote a script and at first we'd have the telemarketer, the new hire memorize the script and then we role play and I'd be the, the prospect. And we got the telemarketer to the point where he or she using his or her personality could deliver and regurgitate the script so that it sounded like they weren't reading a script. And then finally, in, in Georgia, you're allowed to tape record the phone call. A lot of states you can, a lot of states you can't. But if your state permits, record the conversation and then play it back after they have their dialogue. And then you can identify the strengths and the weaknesses and areas of weakness where you want to improve. And if you're not permitted to record the conversation, that doesn't mean you couldn't have a tape recorder on your desk to at least hear your side of the conversation. I think the biggest problem with that most telemarketers have is they try to talk over the prospect. They're so bent on getting their script delivered that instead of listening, they talk over the prospect. And we taught them really to listen, listen to the needs. And if the prospect throws you a curve or an objection, here's how you overcome this objection. If they give you another objection different than that, here's how you overcome that objection. So by the time they were cold calling and telemarketing for us, they really were prepared to do their job. Okay. I, I, I can only imagine people are here in our conversation talking about telemarketing and, and may go, that's great. I can hire 
some telemarketers, but Ed, I've got to have a, a source. Uh, who are they calling? I mean, how do you, where do you find the people for them to call? Do you have a, a secret or is that something you can share with us or? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I think that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. Uh, so we'll do that. In a whole, so there, there you go. People, that's a tease. Just be looking for that next episode. Can we say what, what episode that'll be in as far as the title of that episode? What do you call that? How to prospect? Uh, how to get leads. Okay. How to find out who in your market needs your service. How do you like that? That'll be a great topic. That'll be a great topic. So let's jump back to this one. You talk about a script and somebody might be going, how do I, how do I develop a script for my company? Can you share a little bit of, you know, the script that you developed and uh, you know, how to use it to be a successful telemarketer? Without giving the store away, I'll give you one of the most important lessons in life I learned. When I first started Peace Tree Movers, I, like everyone else, would get a list of leads of companies whose leases were expiring. And then we would cold call them. And when we would cold call them, we would say something terrible like, I understand your company is moving. Who at your company is going to be handling the move? I would like to talk to that person. What I didn't know was when we said that terrible opening line. You freaked them out. Pardon me? You freaked them out. Well, I did freak them out. And of course, (laughs) in those days, we had a person answering the phone who was a really date myself, a receptionist, right? So that yeah. we'd ask the receptionist that as soon as he or she got off the phone, she would yell, Oh my God, we're moving. Oh, you know, and so yeah. the, poor, the, the poor owner of the company or general manager or whomever would go crazy with people calling saying, Hey, we understand you're moving. We'd like to give you a bid on your up and coming move. And by the time he got to talk to the salesperson, he wanted to rip his jugular out. And rightly so, because that salesperson, that mover who called that salesperson created a firestorm. So I will share this with you. So that's bad. And even when we know a company's moving, if we were calling them, we, we call that a prospect. Again, this is not Ed Katz calling because I'm a salesperson. We're having the telemarketer call the prospect because we find out that their lease is expiring in the near future and they might be moving and they might need an estimate. So what we would do is this, even if we knew for sure they were moving and and we're gonna be relocating, we would call and say, my name is, I'll use my name in this case. My name is Ed Katz. I'm with such and such a moving company. If you had to move some furniture from one side of the floor to the other, who at your company would be charged with the responsibility of calling the mover and arranging for him, someone to come out and talk to him. See, I didn't say you're moving. I said, if you had to shift some furniture around, if you had to rearrange your office and stay where you are, who at your company would be, be the one that the mover would talk to? Cause that's the person I'd like to talk to. I'm Ed Katz with such and such a moving company. And I'm just calling to introduce our services to that person. So I'm coming in below the radar screen. I'm not saying we understand you're moving. I'm asking, it sounds so innocuous and it worked. And so, oh, that's Mr. Jones who would handle that. Well, can I please speak to Mr. Jones? When Mr. Jones got on the phone, again, I played dumb 
And I would say, we understand, Mr. Jones, that if you had to contact a moving company because you were shifting some furniture from one side of the floor to the other, that you would be the person who would contact the mover and say, come on out and give us a price on this rearranging of our furniture. Is that correct? I want to validate that I got the right person on the phone, but I still don't want to play my hand because he may want to keep it below the radar screen. He may be moving from uh, New York City out to Long Island and he's going to lose a lot of his employees when he announces that they're moving. So he doesn't want to play his hand now and lose everybody when he hasn't already hired the replacements. So I, again, below the radar screen, and I would say what I just said. And then if he is really moving, he'll say, well, you can come out and talk to me. Uh, give me a call in a few weeks. Probably what's going on in his mind is he'll have a lease signed by then. He'll know where he's moving, or what part of town, what part of Long Island he's moving to. And that way, when I come out, then he'll confidentially tell me, Yes, we are moving. Give us a price and keep it below the radar screen. Don't announce it to anybody. See the difference? Yeah, absolutely. So that gets me to a question. You're, you're giving me kind of that script and how you should, you know, address or, or find out who your point of contact would be. Um, can you give us any other advice on, you know, how you would build a successful telemarketing process. I mean, is there a, a formula for, you know, number of calls times number of nights a week equals this many opportunities, which gives me this closing ratio? <laughs> I'm not that sophisticated. I know you could do rolling averages and number of calls versus sure. a number. In of today's world, do you have an algorithm? No, I don't. <laughs> and I'm not AI. I don't have any intelligence. So I don't have any of that sophistication. But I'll tell you this. One of the most important things we learned early on was, let's say that they're not moving. That's, let's say they renew their lease for another five years. We found if all we were asking was, you know, are they moving? They're going to say no, because they're staying where they are. But if I perceive that as an objection, I would then ask or have my telemarketing person ask, does that mean you're renewing your lease? You're going to stay where you are? Because if you are, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times when companies like yours renew their lease, the landlord comes in, they move them out of the space they're in for 90 days while they can go in and put in new carpet, new paint, maybe change the configuration of the walls, who knows what. So, but they need to have you remove this from the space and temporarily move maybe to another floor. And then 90 days later, when they've completed the construction, they'll then have to move you back. Is there a possibility you're going to have your space refurbished? Well, yeah, we are. I didn't, we didn't think of that. Well, see, you're going to need a mover after all. You're going to need to have us move you from where you are now to a staging area on another floor. And then at the end of the construction period, we'll be glad to move you back in where you started into the newly redecorated and refurbished space. So if we could overcome their objections, let's say, for example, I'll give you one more little tidbit. Let's say that um, they're not moving and they're staying where they are and the landlord's doing nothing. If that was a legitimate objection as to why they didn't need us, we'd say, you know, a lot of companies, especially the ones that are renewing their leases, if they don't now need all that space. Maybe you're going to consolidate your space a little bit instead of paying the high rent you are for 
storing your empty furniture, we're having a special on this month where if you let us move you into our warehouse and store your, your surplus furniture for a period of 12 months, we'll pay the cost of moving your furniture, the surplus from your office into our warehouse so long as you stay with us for a minimum period of 12 months. We actually got storage clients that way, even though, hey, we're not moving. Uh, they're not moving us out of the space. They're not refurbishing it. Again, if you have the gun cocked, if you have the answers ready to overcome the objections. So if it was strike one, strike two, and then we but we're having a special right now on our storage, if you have surplus furniture. So you see the different ways that we would program the telemarketer? Absolutely. Fire all your bullets, right? Yes. Yeah. And so we ended up getting prospects that way. Let's say you're too late. They've already gotten bids from five other movers and they're making their decision this afternoon or tomorrow morning, so you're too late, right? What you could still say is, well, I'm just curious, did you sign a two-year lease? No, we signed a three-year lease. Well, in three years, when you move again, could we be first in line to come out and give you a bid on your up and coming job. And then I write it down that their lease expires in three years and who the contact is and what I'm going to say. And I'll call them back in two and a half years from now. So it's still a prospect only down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that, Ed. Um, but to me, not that I'm disputing anything, but I, I think the biggest thing for listeners of this episode one, it's valuable information on how to telemarket and that you, but the biggest thing is that you should have that as a different service within your company. That's the biggest takeaway for me because I think I see it way too often. And in our company, we don't do that. We, I have a telemarketing guy who calls. I'm, I'm like you, I'm a sales guy. I can't do it, but Harlan does a good job for us. Uh, but I see other moving companies, I've worked at other moving companies, and they don't do that. They expect the salesperson to generate those opportunities. And, you know, like you said, they're just not good at it. You know, it's interesting that so many owners have told me, I'm paying him a 8% commission. That's the salesperson. Or I'm paying him a 10% commission. You want me to pay a telemarketer on top of that? Well, another way of looking at it is maybe reduce the commission that you're paying your salesperson. I know salespeople are going to send me hate mail for saying that, but think about it. Maybe you're paying your salesperson more than you need to, and you take a point or two percent away from the salesperson and take that money and apply it towards the salary of a telemarketer because you're going to have a much better telemarketer who specializes in cold calling as opposed to having most average salespeople do what they hate to do, which is the last thing they want to do, do the cold calling, do the telemarketing. Well, everybody and I, wins. I think that's a, a great solution because I think most salespeople, if they really look at it, would not have an issue with that. Because if you told me, Rob, you can just go sell. You don't have to do any more cold calling. One, I'm going to be extremely happy. And two, I know that the person who is hired to be a telemarketer, they're going to be much more successful at it than I am as far as getting me those opportunities. And I know I'm going to be much more successful at closing those opportunities. So all in all, my income, my, my revenue should still go way up. I agree with you 100%. I really believe that. And I think somebody who's a big picture person will see what you just so uh, conc concisely 
regurgitated. Yeah. Said it really well. So, well, this has been a fun episode, another one of our shorter ones, but I think we're right around that 30-minute mark, but always a good conversation, Ed, and I think this is an important one because, you know, we all are always trying to find, you know, more opportunities for, for work, and uh, having a telemarketer that does just that, I think, is an important part of a, a relocation company being successful. So I think this is a great episode, Ed. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I hope our listeners did too, Rob. I'm sure they did. And until we have our next episode, thank you, everybody, for listening to this one. We look forward to having you on the next one. Um, This has been episode five of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move.